Welcome to Hardware Addicts, a proud member of the Destination Linux Network. Hardware Addicts is the podcast that focuses on the physical components that power our technology world. In this episode, we're going to discuss a phone that surpasses, in my opinion, anything and everything that Apple and or Samsung has to offer. You'll want to order one, but you might not be able to. Then we're going to cover some of the releases that happened at the Apple event on 914. We kind of missed that. So I know it's a little bit old news at this point, but we're going to cover some of those items and talk about them. They have iPads, iPhones, iWatches, and more. Was this the most boring Apple event ever? Let's find out. We'll talk about that. Then we're going to head to Camera Corner where Wendy will discuss how to use the camera in your pocket. So sit back, relax, and plug in because Hardware Addict starts now. I'm Ryan, your tech guide through the universe, and with me today are my two co-hosts, Wendy, a resident photographer extraordinaire along with hardware enthusiast and Michael, the software sage and hardware Padawan. Let's find out what tech adventures everyone has had this week. Michael, tell me that you've played with some tech this week. I have. First of all, we talked Yay. about the, the pine time and some other stuff related to like using technology to get exercise and that sort of thing. So I got a bicycle, which is kind of hardware. It's got a chain on it. So that's the thing. Oh, you mean a motorcycle? I want to ride no, it's my a bicycle. It is. It's karaoke with Wendy. Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> it it's it actually is helpful. But I was just messing around. I did have something to talk about that's that's hardware technology based, and that is the PS5 controller that I told you that I was going to be getting, and I did, and I have tried it out. And you told me that the PS5 controller was going to be better than the Xbox controller, so yeah. I had to test it to see if you were right. And, and? yes, you were right. Yeah. That is a very cool controller. There are so many reasons why I like it more. There are some issues with me, some of the setups because it has this uh, it has a different style of doing the uh, configuration for the various games that I wasn't familiar with because I was always using the uh, built-in configurations or the Steam configurations, and they have this thing that sort of uses the big picture mode to do it. So once I got used to that, it was fine. But the pressure sensitivity of the triggers and stuff is very cool. And you can basically tell it to do based on the amount of sensitivity, do something different in a game or also do it in a sequence system, which is just I didn't even know that that was a possibility with these controllers. So, yeah, I, I like the PS5 controller. I was able to get my hands on a PlayStation 5 and the controller when they launched. I know I'm one of the lucky ones. People are still trying to get them to this day. And I also got a hold of the new Xbox Series X. And I think we talked about, we covered these in a Hardware Addicts previously, but the only innovation between the two, yes, you know, they have SSDs and they was faster loading and things, but I also had a PlayStation 4 Pro. And honestly, the difference between them was very minimal. Like it did not feel like next gen. The only thing out of both consoles that felt like it was next gen was the PlayStation 5 controller. And it has some very unique things coupled with the PlayStation 5, the vibration and motion uh, system inside the controller itself would make you feel like, for instance, through its vibrations and stuff that you were jumping on a lily pad in water. It's weird. You'd have to experience it to understand it, but it was able to do that with these slight vibration. It was just amazing. And then 
In addition to that, the controller itself has a microphone and speaker embedded into it, some touch controls on the top, and the trigger sensitivity, which was amazing. And in, in some of the demos with the PlayStation 5, for instance, if you picked up a machine gun, it had a really light trigger, meaning you would be pushing on the trigger button and it basically was super easy to pull. The resistance was minimal. But if you picked up a sniper rifle, for instance, you'd have a long pull on the trigger. So it gave a whole new depth to games. Now, I don't think a lot of games are really taking advantage of it, but it's a really cool feature that I could see being very, very neat in a first-person shooter type scenario or in other scenarios as well. Trigger system that you're talking about, I have experienced that in some games. Uh, but it is kind of funny that I always thought it's a controller. Going from the Xbox controller to the PS5 controller wouldn't be that big of a difference because they're all they're both basically the same thing. The configuration is super, super close. But it is very much a different experience. It is like you know you're changing uh, you're going from a car to a motorcycle. like it's just it feels super different. and it shouldn't, but it does. So I there's this game that I play that uh, people who have listened to the show or you know listened to the other podcasts I I might have mentioned it before I won't go into details but a hundred times League. yeah so <laughs> and I've I've got a significant amount of hours in that game so I have a lot of training on the Xbox controller until it kind of get got weird and then I transitioned to the PS5 controller and I thought it's not gonna be a big deal. For the first couple of days, it was like I was playing new again. Like it, it, it felt super weird to have the, the different controller, even though ninety percent of the controller is the same. It just didn't feel the same. But after a while, it just it, it, you know, you get used to it and it's fine. Now, did you play this in Windows or in Linux? And if you were straight Linux, Linux did it did it automatically detect the PlayStation Five controller without any drivers or anything? Uh, yeah, yes, I was using Linux, but I was using the Proton version of Rocket League, so in Steam. So it did detect the controller. However, the configurations for the settings of it, uh, I had to go in and make sure that they were active in the big picture mode version of the controls because by default, it didn't detect all of the different buttons through Proton. But once I went in there, told it what configurations to use, then it did just fine. Very cool. Wendy, what have you been up to? Here a couple weeks ago, I had to record one of my co-op classes because a student wasn't going to be there. And this type of class, you really need to be there for the discussions. And there's certain parts of those discussions that being a part of is key in order to achieving all the goals for the class. And because I am a hardware addict, I already had some gear set up for that. So I took my USB interface, I connected it to my Microsoft Pro 6, which is running Linux. And then I had a XLR microphone that I was using to capture the class. And after I got it home, yes, I have the audio, but the audio's not that great, mainly because that microphone in itself, it was capturing way too much of the room noise. And there's probably some settings that I could have switched and changed. And if I would have been a little bit earlier, I could have played with that and kind of seen what some of those sounds were. But now I'm on the lookout for more hardware and specifically for recording hardware. There's only 10 kids in the class and they're divided into teams at this point. So I was thinking I need a setup for three different microphones. I won't need this every single class, but 
gosh dang it, I want to make sure that every lecture, everything that's going on inside the class, every kid gets a chance to participate in whether they can be there or not. So here's the plan. Three microphones, so that means I need to upgrade my USB interface to do this type of thing and maybe get something else entirely. I don't know. This is one of those situations where I'm now starting to research and dive into, but a microphone for team A, a microphone for team B, and then a microphone for me at the front of the class or whoever's speaking at the time because kids will give presentations and that kind of stuff. When I pull everything in at the end and edit it, I will have much cleaner audio. So I'm deep diving into how to do audio for a room full of people, even if the room quality isn't that great. We're in a massive room and I know that was definitely part of the issue is the room is huge. And so there was extra echo and that kind of stuff going on within mm. the recording. So I'm going to, hey, maybe ask you guys, what is some of the best hardware to do for that and throw that to the community? So in, in my opinion, and of course, I think the community, there's a lot of people who do a lot more of this type of stuff. So their experience definitely trumps mine. But for what I use for all of our podcasts is a Behringer X1204. And that allows for four XLR mics. And each one has a slider control for it. And then you have a master control as well, which would be perfect for the setup that you're talking about there where you need three microphones at least. And it's a USB interface in itself. And of course it has some of the basic audio settings that you can play with to get the tones and things right. And it would also has a mute button independently for each one of the microphones that you could push in, which would help with, you know, reducing some of the noise and things in the background. Now I have that plugged into something that's probably overkill, which is in, in your situation, which is a DBX 286S which is a preamp processor. What's interesting about that is my kids right now, for instance, are in the background screaming, but you can't hear them because it gates all of that sound out. It has an expander gate, which definitely helps the quality for things if you're going for podcast quality. Classroom, probably not necessary, but another cool thing to look at. Those are my recommendations. Awesome. I will definitely be checking them both out. Yep, I agree with those. I have a Zeti. Uh, it's a Zeti 10FX, and it is from the Allen & Heath company. And it's a very nice mixer, and it does the combination of being a mixer plus the USB interface. It has the four inputs for XLR. It's also got other inputs like the 5mm jack. I'm not sure. One of those jacks. Uh, but it allows you to connect different uh, variations, not just using XLR. So you can have different types of mics. So that's the same kind of thing that Ryan has. But I think Ryan's choice might be better because of that mute button functionality is a very nice feature to have. Uh, the one I have does not have those kinds of things. And there's a lot of different configurations between having a dial versus a slider and just real quick sliders. Much better because you get a lot more control with a lot less ease because the, the it's not hard to do the dials, but the consistency of the dial is a little bit too stiff, whereas the slider gives you a little bit more flexibility. And that's what I Plus, it just feels cool. You look cooler when you're using a slider. It, you, you do like feel a little bit like a doing. DJ. Yeah. Yep. Yeah, you do exactly. a little bit like a DJ. But I also will say that there's different types of microphones that look in. So there's the dynamic microphones and the condenser microphones. And most condenser microphones have an omnidirectional thing. So you could put the, the microphone in an area of the, the class and have it pick up everybody around them with a certain distance and then have other microphones doing the same thing. 
So you you don't if you get a dynamic microphone, they're much much more rich. The the sound is better in a dynamic, and they have a better ability for the quality to be higher. However, they also limit the range of distance that something can and also the the cone size is so tiny with the dynamic that you have to be basically eating the microphone for it to pick it up well and that won't work for a classroom situation where it needs to be set kind of in front of them and everybody picked up i can do some of the playing on the back end with equalizing audio but the key is Mm -hmm. trying to get all of the audio picked up the best that i can and not have so much room noise going on yeah so I would suggest getting condenser microphones, but I would also con- suggest considering getting not having the microphone sitting in the like on the table near anyone because they will make likely make a lot of noise. I would suggest, yes. if possible, to have them uh, mounted above the, the the kids and then have them shotgun style condenser omnidirectional mics. Now there are some shotgun mics that are super directional. But you can find omnidirectional shotgun mics that will pick up a bigger range. And if they're just kind of sitting above them, it'll pick up you know a, a decent area fairly well. And also shotgun mics can pick up a lot of audio from a very far distance, depending on the kind of approach you go with with these mics. So that's my suggestion. Awesome. But I also think that Ryan and I could be wrong. So anyone listening, feel free to give suggestions if you have some. So I've had this interesting thing occur where I've been wanting to get rid of a lot of the Apple ecosystem that I've been in. Now, we can get into a long discussion of why I was in the Apple ecosystem to begin with, but I've kind of gone on that rant before on Destination Linux and other things before, but a lot's changed recently. Because you love walled gardens. Walled gardens. There's some things that (laughs) Apple was doing, but most importantly, I think... Apple is inexcusable in their supply chain. And after Mm. doing all the research I did with those videos and things, it really made me think I need to be looking elsewhere. I started looking at different options for sports watches. I've been working out a lot lately, every single day going to the gym and wanting to track things such as, you know, uh, the heart rate that I have, my resting heart rate, and then when I work it up and and trying to get as much information as I can about how much I'm straining my body during these workouts and my breathing and all of this stuff. There are a lot of different watches out there that track these type of things. There are some name brand ones, though, that are very well known out there. And this was before I got my Pine Watch, which I haven't played with yet directly, which I know just has, I think, a heart rate sensor in it. Um, But I needed something a little more in-depth for the fitness tracking piece. And so I checked out the Garmin Vivo Active 4. And this is a very interesting watch because its display is completely different than the Apple Watch that I was using before, which was kind of a very vivid IPS screen, all the colors, very colorful icons. But this display type is a transflective memory in display which is very different than what you see in say your Samsung watches or your Apple watches in that it's permanently turned on. It has good readability, but it does not have the richness and high resolution of like an AMOLED display or something along those lines. But you can read this very well in direct sunlight and things like that. And it has an insane battery, like four days of battery life, for instance, inside of it. So if you have an Apple watch, you know, 
that maybe when you first get it, you might get a day and a half, but after a few months, you're going to, you're, you're going to have to recharge it every single day. They have great batteries, not putting them down. It's just, you're going to have to put on the charger every day. This watch, you can forget to charge for a couple of days, which is really interesting because if you want to use your watch to track things like your sleep patterns, you want to keep your watch on you. But if at night you're charging your watch, like you do with the Apple watch, that makes it pretty difficult. So you got to kind of charge in between and then put your watch on you. You want it to track your sleep. Whereas this one, because you have so many days of actually having um, the battery life save on this, then you can do stuff like that much more easily. I will be doing a video on this in the future. I'm not saying this is the best watch out there. There are a lot of things that are not up to par with, say, an Apple Watch or even the Samsung watches out there as far as some of the features and the sophistication of messaging and things like that. There's also a privacy concern I have with it because a lot of the messages, if you have them pop up on your screen, will just pop up. You can turn it off so that those don't show, but there's no pin or, or password or anything on the watch like you'll see with an Apple Watch, for instance, which if you have any of your two-factor authentication going through text messages or you have text messages or mail coming through notifications through your phone that you don't want people to read, that could be kind of a privacy issue. But it's been interesting playing with it. It's a very hardy watch. I've put it through its paces. It has lots of workout plans and lots of monitoring of Pulse OX, body battery, it calls, where it kind of measures how much energy based on sleep patterns you've had and things that you should have throughout the day when you can maximize your workouts. It's got all kinds of cool stuff. But again, it's one of those things where I'm going to have to spend some more time with it. And I do have some concerns with its privacy, but I don't know, Wendy, you're into these type of active watches. Have you ever checked out the Garmin Vivo Active 4? I haven't, but it sounds pretty cool with some of the features that it has on it. Here's one of my questions I have for you when it comes to the workouts that are on the watch. Can you set it to, okay, I'm lifting or I'm doing cardio, or do you just, it want you to put in every specific item that you're doing? How does that part of the watch work? I actually really like this part of the watch. So it has some touchscreen capabilities. Again, not like you would be used to. It's more of a traditional watch in a lot of ways. But if you, for instance, hit the button at the top corner, you can set some of your favorite types of exercises there in a menu. And for instance, I have one for strength, cardio, elliptical. And if I click any of those, I can actually go into more detail into different types if I want to, or I can just click strength and do ready and say, hey, I'm lifting weights and I want you to count the reps. And it tries its best to count the reps that you're doing based on the movement of your arms and things like that going on. I could click elliptical or treadmill for instance, and of course it'll measure the time and it's going to look at your heart rate at the beginning and the end and kind of give you your patterns in between to see if you've really worked yourself up. I like that actually better. I like the fitness features better than I do on the Apple Watch, for instance. I think they're more sophisticated and easier to get to and I could set as many favorites as I want. There, There's 20 pre-installed sports in there that you can set up for yourself. That's nice. And having a super long battery life on them is incredibly nice too. I know that I've been in the same situation with a Fitbit where you are constantly having to throw it on the charger and it doesn't make for a very good fitness watch if it's constantly having to be charged. Can you use the Garmin in the pool? It says it's suitable for swimming. So you probably don't want to go deep down into the water for long periods of time, but if you're just swimming in the pool and stuff, it would be fine. If you're going to do laps, it should be good for that. Yeah, exactly. So it says that they have the the Garmin Vivo Active 4 has a rating of 5 ATM, which I looked up. Don't know what the actual 
mean the meaning of ATM, but it says that it is uh, it is withstands pressures equivalent to depths of fifty meters. That's pretty good. So I may have sold you on one. It's a very interesting watch altogether. I, I do like it. I've enjoyed it, and you know I don't know what else is out there because I've only honestly ever had the Apple Watch in this. There is a watch we covered on Destination Linux that runs Kali Linux on it, or a variation of Kali Linux, and that that would be hard to pass up. That's very cool, although definitely not for the purpose of this kind of thing. I'm pretty of working sure that out. one. Yeah, yeah, th- no. that one. I don't think it has that much usefulness in terms of comparing to this or the Apple Watch. If you want to be like Dick Tracy and do all kinds of cool hacking stuff with your watch, then you could check that out. Uh, We could be like the 80s where you wear multiple watches. Maybe I need multiple watches on my wrist to do all the things I need to do. You need to cover your entire forearm with watches to do a full test. Yeah, It's settled. (laughs) But this is cool. It says it goes up to eight days with the smartwatch mode or five days with fitness stuff activated. Like that's that's impressive for these kind of smartwatches. So I so as you were talking about it, I wanted to look up the uh, the what the screen, the kind of screen it was because of how does it do this? How is it always on while still not having an insane battery uh, death really? Uh, it's the transreflective memory in Pixel is also similar to the transreflective LCD screen. And what's cool is that similar technology was used in a the one laptop per child uh, effort of creating those laptops that were made back in the day for uh, being used outdoors in the sunlight and that kind of thing. So a very similar technology is used in this smartwatch, which I thought was really cool. And if anybody wants to know more about the one laptop per child, we had an awesome treasure hunt or Jill's treasure hunt on Destination Linux where she showed us like the one she has and we walked through it all the cool stuff related to that laptop, the XO laptop. We'll have a link in the show notes for that. This episode of Hard Radix is brought to you by DigitalOcean. Now is the perfect time to dive into DigitalOcean. Their new app platform service helps you build modern cloud-native apps for way less money. With App Platform, you can build, deploy, and scale apps and static websites faster and easier than ever before using a simple, intuitive interface. You simply point your app platform to your GitHub or GitLab repository and let it do all of the heavy lifting for you. Whether you're using Node.js, Python, Go, PHP, Ruby, Static Sites, Docker, or Container Images, all of these work with the app platform. And by running the app platform on their own infrastructure, DigitalOcean keeps your cost significantly lower than with other products. So you can get great access, building your apps super easy and quickly. Plus, it's built on top of DigitalOcean's Kubernetes, providing a smoother migration path so you can take more control of your infrastructure setup as well. And as a Hardware Addicts listener and a member of the DLN community, you can get started building your world-changing app in their, with their app platform for free. Actually, it gets better than free because DigitalOcean is going to give you a $100 free credit when you sign up at do.co slash DLN. Again, go to do.co slash DLN to get started with your $100 free credit on DigitalOcean's new app platform service. We want to thank DigitalOcean for sponsoring this episode of Hardware Addicts. So in our core story this week, I wanted to talk about a phone that I don't think gets near enough press for all of the amazing things that they do. There are nearly zero companies in my research that actually produce a phone that isn't swimming in horrible supply chain issues such as slave labor, 
horrible environments for their workers, having to set up nets around the working environments where their products come from because so many of their workers jump out of buildings and horrible things like this. It is not a good world in tech. There are many problems with it. I have a video about it on my channel if you're interested in learning more. There is one phone out of all of the companies out there that produce phones that did make many lists of having the cleanest supply chain out there. And in addition to the clean supply chain, they're also their work is positively impacting e-waste. I mean, for real, not in the stupid ways that Apple pretends they're doing it by removing something <laughs> and charging you the same amount, but actually reducing e-waste. And that phone is the Fairphone. Have either of you ever heard of this device? Absolutely. It is a very yes. cool device. I am just blown away. The more research that I do on this phone, the more impressed that I am. I was aware of it. I was also aware of a limitation, which we'll get into later, which is why a lot of us don't have it. But it's just incredible, the company they've built here. And I want one. I want one really, really bad. Yeah, it's a very cool idea for a phone. And also the fact that they have like a really long warranty, like they guarantee up to, I think, five years or something. They say that they're going to be at least five years, but maybe more depending on the phone. And they stick to that because they're now currently, I think they're, the Fairphone 4 is coming out sometime soon, like a month or something. Well, that's what we're going to talk about. We're going to talk about the Fairphone 4 because, you know, everybody's giving press to Apple and their new device which to me was a complete sleeper, but we'll get into that in a minute. But you have this amazing device, Fairphone 4, out here that actually deserves the hype that Apple's getting for their phone that is just an iterative upgrade, in my opinion. So the Fairphone 4, if you can get your hands on one, we'll talk about some of the highlights here. Like Michael was saying, a five-year warranty on your phone. I wonder it would still be five years if they handed it to Magneto. <laughs> that's a good question could magneto break this device it's that would be something that fair trade needs to fairphone needs no, to send one in no it's not if it's when it's when i guess we're if, if we if we really want to see if they're how fair they want to be like how many iterations of phones are they willing to send magneto after he breaks them yeah it's a good yes. question well if magneto gets one even though he may break it because he's magneto and that's just what happens when he gets around electronics. But this is, he could rest assured that this is the first and only phone certified as fair trade gold. So the phone's body is machined from aluminum from certified vendors with 100% recycled plastic back cover. They're working behind the scenes to integrate their fairer cobalt and lithium into their batteries, which if you know... This is a major problem. A major problem of child and slave labor is in the batteries themselves with phones. So they are working very hard to try to create fairer uh, relationships with the vendors and things that are not utilizing this type of labor to get through these mines and to get the uh, cobalt and lithium that they need for these batteries. And that's why they're fair trade gold in their supply chain. That's how they're rated. They're also TCO certified. So with each Fairphone 4, they actually pay, get this, a living wage bonus to the factory workers there. What? So that, yeah, I know. This would be something that Samsung or Apple and others should try to mimic, but been accused of definitely not doing 
in their supply chains, people living basically in, in slave-like environments. And one of the big manufacturers of phones, Foxconn, out there actually did put nets around their building because so many people were jumping out of the windows to try to commit suicide. And this is the reality of the problems that we have when we buy all of this fancy tech, but we don't think about the company that ultimately, in my opinion, is still responsible, even though it's in their supply chain, for making sure that we're not spending thousands of dollars for phones that we're paying for now and getting phones that end up utilizing something like that uh, behind the scenes in their supply chain. And this is one of the only phones, Fairphone, that was actually listed out there um, from companies on the websites and my video that I do research on looking for any of the companies that don't do this or attempt to remove it as much as possible. We talked about HP for the laptops. Well, it's Fairphone when it comes to phones. I'm, I'm glad that there is a company that's doing that sort of thing. And it's very sad that it's only one, but at least there's one. Yeah, this is the only one that I know of. And it's the only one that's made the list of the companies that look into those type of things, the, the organizations out there that are trying to expose these type of problems in the supply chain. But it's also, if that's not enough for you, has great technology behind it. It has a 6.3 inch full HD display, HD plus display. It's 5G. So if you're a big 5G fan, you've got great 5G signal, you can still use 5G with this new phone. You have the flexibility to use two SIM cards and they also have an eSIM slot for an additional number that you can add into the device. They call it the clean version of Android 11. So you don't have all of that junk apps and things forced installed on your version of Android there and expandable storage. No. That's pretty nice to see. That's a rare occurrence there. You get dual cameras, 48 megapixel quality main lens, light sensor, and 4K video recording in here. So you don't have to worry about, hey, I'm getting this phone that may not be as popular as the Samsung or Apple's, but I've got to reduce the quality of my camera and I can no longer record in 4K or those type of things. You can do that here. It also has a 48 megapixel ultra wide lens that has 120 degree viewing angle with it. Now we know megapixels aren't everything. Wendy has taught me that. I probably don't listen to much of anything else because uh, my brain can't absorb it, but I know Wendy told me megapixels aren't everything, but I looked at some of the actual pictures they showed Wendy, which is what you tell people to do, and they looked really right? good. They looked very solid. That's awesome. I love the ultra wides on some of these phones that are coming out, and it's really cool that Fairphone has implemented that People, a lot of the time, so when they're out with friends or they're on a walk or something like that, they want to be able to show everybody in the same shot. They want to be able to take that landscape and you actually be able to see the ground below, the sky above, whatever you're dealing with at the same time. And having two different cameras for two different purposes on a phone really makes sense because you can't just go and change your lens and being able to do this with separate cameras has been a really nice way to get the best of both worlds. And I'm glad that they're including that on this phone as well. You know, when I said earlier that they're actually doing things to reduce e-waste here. So when you buy a Fairphone 4, they responsibly recycle or give one old phone a second life. This means 100% compensation for the material that they put into the market. And this is the first smartphone in the industry that does this. Nobody else is doing anything like this. So basically they are going, if you're buying a new phone, they're gonna responsibly cycle another phone to get it out there so they're not wasting all of these materials out there and ending up in landfills and other things like that. 
So they're do- they're just doing a lot of cool things out there to make it so that when you buy a phone like this and you spend money on a phone like this, you actually feel good about your purchase because you know it's going to a company that at least is trying to do something about these problems out there. Yeah, that's this is awesome. I mean, I've heard about the fa- the Fairphone for a long time, but um, there's as you said earlier, there's an issue that we're going to get to in a minute. But there's a lot of cool stuff that it that they have, like the the 4K recording and all that stuff. This is like you you see these kinds of devices where they're trying to do something and they're compromising on some level in order to do right. something in like an ethical Absolutely. way. But this is like the the Fairphone doesn't look like they're compromising like pretty much at, at all. Maybe a little bit here and like trying to get the the crazy folding nonsense. Maybe they're compromising on not doing that. Which by the way, thanks for not doing a stupid folding phone. Uh, there, this is really cool that they actually have the technology that is worth getting, as well as doing the recycling thing and the and lowering e waste and and also by the way, uh, I kind of want to. This is a little bit of a pivot side note thing. I really like the multi SIM card thing because a lot of people don't need that. But I think this is very cool to have multiple phone numbers in a single phone for a couple of reasons. You could have, let's say you have a, a phone service with a particular carrier that is great most of the time, but you need to live in an area that doesn't get a lot of pickup. You can get a different uh, carrier for that sort of approach. Or you maybe have a, a need for a bat phone. Which, by the way, if anybody has any ideas about how to do a bat phone properly in a modern world, but by the way, what I mean by a bat <laughs> phone is um, is having a special phone number device or whatnot that's not going to break the bank, that is available to you at all times and is super accessible. So if you need to talk to Commissioner Gordon, you can very easily. So, wow. anyway. You are yeah, such a I, comic book geek. Well, let's talk about <laughs> who true. can actually get one of these phones. So the problem here is I went to order one because as soon as I started reading up by about the company more and realizing that they had third-party audits and got certifications for a lot of the claims that they're making here, you could tell this is a premium device. Like you said, Michael, which I agree with 100%, a lot of these phones that try to do stuff like this, generally they're compromising so much that you have a phone that does not have a current camera at all. Definitely not going to be recording in 4K. Uh, has other compromises in addition that you have to make, but this phone th- this phone doesn't have any of those issues. You get a nice big display with it. You've got great storage, 128 gigabyte, 256 gigabyte storage. One of the devices has six gigs of RAM. The other has eight. They have multiple colors, gray, gray, and green, and then they have their spe- special speckled version, which is a speckled green, which is the one I wanted to go for. And it's 649 euros. The other phones go for about 579 euros or start at that point. The problem is only our friends in Europe can actually take advantage of this amazing phone from this amazing company. In the US, some have had their European friends ship them one of these with limited success and getting the full range of signals activated. So they were only able to stay on 3G and things like that based on some articles I was reading. But here's the thing. We need the Fairphone in the U.S. desperately, but all of our friends that listen to this podcast in Europe, you need to buy one of these and post pictures of it on our forums to make me jealous because yeah. everyone in Europe should have one of these phones. Let You have the ability to get one easily. Uh, let us live vicariously through you and get one of these things because it is it does look like a great phone, and that's the reason why I didn't get one before because I was very tempted to get a Fairphone 2 when they came out because it had support with Ubuntu Touch 
as like a flagship phone for Ubuntu Touch, and you still can use it there. But again, it was hard to get, so I I didn't. But if they if they're listening to this show, hopefully you are. Please make a U.S. version so we can have it because we want it. Yeah, Magneto needs a new phone. I was actually jumping on after looking at all the specs on this again to see if I could get one for Magneto and nope, no getting it. One of the things that I loved about this device is they make it easy for you to change out the battery in other parts of the hardware, which means it's more likely to survive him for longer being able to change out those bits and pieces, but nope. Can't get one. If anybody is listening from Fairphone, number one, we'd love to have you on. We don't do interviews typically with hardware addicts, but I would make an exception here with the Fairphone. So if they want to come on and do an interview, I'd love to talk to them about the company and all the stuff that they're doing here, which I think is absolutely amazing. But even more important than that is give us a US version. So there's this other thing that happened in the news that some people were talking about and all excited about. And I sat there and listened to the entire event and I was bored out of my mind. Maybe it's just me. Maybe it's me. It's not you, Apple. But I'm talking about the recent Apple event where they released a new iPad, new iPad mini, new uh, iPhone 13. And they talked about their new iOS 15 and things that they have coming out. I'm not going to go through all the specs here. These phones at this point are out there on the market. There's been lots of information, people testing them, those things. It's a little bit faster than the other one that you paid $1,000 for, has a little bit better battery, uh, has some new AI elements built into it. I mean, if you're a huge iPhone fan, then totally I get why this may be something if you're several generations behind that you may want to upgrade to. Otherwise, though, I saw very little innovation here that made me excited for any of these devices Apple was releasing. And I was really upset that they weren't talking about anything related to privacy like they did in their prior conferences and releases, where they're all talking about some of the new privacy things that they were doing. Uh, there was very limited information about that in this particular um, event compared to prior events. And ultimately, I just was bored. I didn't make it all the way through the announcement for the exact same reason. It was so boring and it was so dry and it felt like I was hearing the exact same things as last year with not as good of presentation. Yeah, they still had the flying camera and that kind of stuff they had last year. Ooh, it was cool last year because that's how they had to do it. But all this pre-taped stuff and just hearing the same reiterations of, oh, it's faster. Oh, it's faster. It seems like a broken record that, yeah, you're just putting out new stuff to put out new stuff. Every every iPhone. This is the most advanced iPhone yet. Nobody cares. Uh, if, if the only thing advanced, you're not actually going to experience really anything that different. I've held these in my hand at this point in the stores and... I really can't tell the difference between the iPhone 12 and the iPhone 13 looking at it and stuff. I think it has a little bit better battery, uh, the iPhone 12 battery. iPhone 12, by the way, is one of the worst Apple devices ever released. It's the worst phone I've ever held in my hands from that company. Um, so it wouldn't be hard to upgrade from an iPhone 12 <laughs> as far as improving it. 
Uh, they, they're obviously doing a lot more with their internal chips that they're making themselves. They're A15. I mean, it's definitely gotten more powerful. It's going to give Android a run from its money in there. And I'm not an Android fan, if anybody hasn't gathered that from previous episodes. So don't think this is just an anti-Apple thing, because it's not. I do think Apple does a lot of innovative and amazing things. This event was not one of them. And so we got to call it what it is. Now, for the privacy stuff that they actually did talk about, very little. There are a couple cool things. iOS 15 Siri uses on-device speech recognition, so it doesn't leave your phone by default, which is kind of neat. And then trackers can't profile you with an IP, supposedly, and mail privacy hides IP and prevents senders from knowing your mail activity. So they did do a couple things in there, and I'm always happy to see more privacy stuff in there. But there was also an article released this week talking about iPhone phoning home just as much as Android devices in there. So I just don't know what to believe a lot of times from these big companies. I just want a fair phone. Is that too much to ask? Yes. Right now, yes, it is. Apparently. But I hopefully after they listen to this episode, it's not too much. There you go. And besides, an iPhone 13 is definitely too much. <laughs> if you're interested in learning more about the event, go check out their page. They, they talk all about how it's the most advanced iPhone, advanced iPad, advanced watch, advanced everything ever in the history of the world. Um, it's very iterative upgrades to the camera and things out there. Uh, what I would like to have seen during this event, them announce that they're going to have a cleaner supply chain would be number one. Uh, touch ID mm -hmm. on the phones because masks are still a thing. Maybe the Starlink satellite partnership would have been really cool to hear here. Like uh, there were some rumors that they were going to be doing some stuff with satellites in the phones. That would have been amazing and really innovative. More privacy controls and encryption. Uh, a foldable device. I know, Michael, you said you didn't want one, but I thought it would be cool. I mean, foldable devices, uh, I'm starting. The latest foldable from Samsung is cool enough holding it and playing it within the store that I was kind of tempted to want to buy one. It They're starting to get really, really good. Micro SD card return, that would have been innovative. Better storage defaults than 128 gigabytes. USB-C standard check. across all the devices. No notch would have been innovative. Gaming accessories would have been innovative, but none of this was in the event. So who cares? Well, if they got rid of the notch, you could not You could no longer call it top notch. So that's why they keep it. Yeah, I guess. Yeah. <laughs> Ooh. Do I have Fair. a tomato to throw at you? <laughs> uh, the foldable thing is, the only reason I don't like the foldable thing is that when you open them, they have that the screen crease. And I just, I just can't stand that crease. It just, it, it doesn't. It's kind of like the notch though. You forget it's there once you start playing with it because just unfolding your device is so cool. The problem with the current foldables is they are so soft that you could scratch them with your fingernail and that would be a problem mm. for anybody, especially a problem for Magneto. He cannot have a foldable <laughs> phone. Magneto, you're banned from Yeah, if you phone. listen to the latest version of Deal and Extend, we talk about this because Matt gets himself a foldable phone and there is no way that Magneto could even touch one well, he might be able to touch one in the store, but he could never own one at this point in the technology just because they're not built hardy enough in order to handle what he does on a daily basis. And especially if the screens are that soft, it would come home immediately scratched up. There's dirt, there's metal shavings, there's all kind of stuff like that going on, and it wouldn't survive a day with him, period. This episode of Hardware Addicts is sponsored by Bitwarden. Bitwarden is the password manager that we use and trust. 
Bitwarden lets you set up things like a pin to easily access your password manager as well as additional authentications, such as a master password and adding phrases to fingerprint security, all to keep your passwords safe. Bitwarden is the easiest and safest way for individuals, teams, businesses to store, share, and sync their sensitive data. Go to bitwarden.com DLN to get started for free. Bitwarden is the password manager that I use and trust because it's open source, you can self-host it, and I love the fact that they do security audits and share that information with you. Go to bitwarden.com DLN to get started for free. Say you want that premium account that starts at just $10 per year. You get one gigabyte of encrypted file storage, two-step login with YubiKey, U2F, and Duo, Vault Health Reports, TOTP Authenticator Storage, and Generation, Priority Customer Support. Make the smart move like many of the community have and go to bitwarden.com slash DLN to get started for free. All right, Wendy, take us into the camera corner and tell us about using a camera from our pocket. I don't have a camera in my pocket. Is that a new pair of jeans that you get that have cameras built into them now? No, you've got a camera in your pocket because you pack a stinking smartphone with you wherever you go. Oh, yeah, that's right. Just about everybody has a camera in their pocket anymore these days. And this topic comes directly from Magneto. He spent a lot of times in the mountains lately. And He's looked at pictures that he's taken and his buddies taken as they were up in the mountains. He's like, yeah, we've taken a lot of crappy pictures over the last few weeks. So why don't you go ahead and share with everybody how to get the best use out of their cell phone cameras. And this is the one, this is the key thing for him that I know he needs to do every single time he goes to take a picture. And I'm sure a lot of you out there need to do this too. Make sure the lens of your camera is clean. It's on the back of your phone. You're touching with your hands. There's fingerprints, all kinds of stuff all over the back of your lens. If the back of your lens is not clean, you're going to be shooting through that grime that you applied to that lens. And I know he's taken several pictures. He's like, why does this not look good? I'll flip the phone over, clean off the lens, retake the picture. There you go. The colors are so much more vibrant. It's so much more crisp. Clean the lens before you take a picture. Just See, make Michael? that standard. Your grimy fingers are always messing up the lenses. Keep your grimy fingers off the lens. I have a case <laughs> that makes it where the, the lens is indented, so that is not a problem I have to deal with. Thank you very much. I keep a clean lens, sort of. I, I don't really use my phone to make take photos, so I don't know. It could be. It's probably dirty. <laughs> <laughs> Mine is indented, too, and his is indented as well, as far as with the case on it, which that's a good thing to keep track of. If it's not, especially a lot of these newer phones where the camera portion of it pops out of the back, which looks really cool. It's also Does so it? much more easy to get scratched up. I hate the things that pop out of the phone. And like, it's just, it's, they're so, they're, it feels like they're making the, the phone super thin, but then you have this weird, um, like, I don't, you have this weird attachment, Bump. like a, like a humpback on it or like, why? Like, it's just. It's there to get everything to fit. Yeah. yeah, they got movable parts in there now. It's almost impossible not to. I mean, if you think about what they have, honestly, I they think it's amazing. They can just make the phones a little thicker, and that's fine. Well, they could make the rest of the phone thicker, too, to match it. But I think it's amazing what they've been able to pack into the back of cameras. So the hump is kind of acceptable, but I got you. I mean, if they made it th a little bit thicker, we could fit a bigger battery in, and yeah, we could exactly. stop worrying about how thin That would is. be awesome. 
that's the first thing. Make sure your lens is clean. The next thing is know the camera app on your phone. It's really hard to take a great picture if you don't know the features that are built in to the camera app that you're using on a regular basis. Take some time, look at the features that are built into it, play with it before you are ready to use it for taking pictures of your kids, taking pictures on your walk, whatever you're doing with your phone, play with it first. And especially if you're doing anything with children or maybe taking pictures when you're out with your friends, that kind of thing, don't be afraid to use the burst mode. Somebody's already always closing their eyes. Something's always going on, which having multiple shots of that would be extremely helpful. Pay attention to the lighting. If the light is super bright and washing everything out, you're not going to get a very detailed picture. This is one of those places, if you can, make sure you're taking pictures outside. That's where your lighting is typically going to be best. You don't want the light shining in people's eyes. Just be paying attention to where your light source is, where your subject is, and that'll help you get a much cleaner, nicer shot. Digital zoom is not your friend, and this is another one of those things that I know my husband falls prey to. Oh, you yeah. want to zoom in and get all the way in and get what that thing is, and then... You look at the picture on your phone, you're like, oh, it's a pixelated mess. That was really helpful. <laughs> I want to zoom in to show my wife where the spider is that she needs to kill because I don't want to get near it. Gotcha. That's yeah. what Ryan uses his camera for yeah. on his phone. Show his wife for. where the spider's at. Digital zoom is the worst because when you take that picture, it's so pixelated, it ruins it entirely. It's Optical zoom is the only thing that I look for when they're giving specs related to zoom on phone cameras because anything else is just nonsense. Yeah, absolutely. You're just taking the exact same picture and cutting it down and blowing it up. So you're not getting anything cleaner. If your camera doesn't take a good picture zooming in with actual hardware, mm -hmm. just forget the digital zoom, either get closer or take the wider picture and then you can zoom in it with your fingers because you're not going to be left with much using that digital zoom. You were talking about knowing your app and I, I think that's a very good tip, but there are some phones that have terrible apps. So I was wondering, right. is do you have any suggestions for another option? I've played with open camera and it has a lot of cool functionality. Uh, there is a lot of like being, there's a lowest of the time where I find where I don't like the camera app that comes with the phone is that they don't have any manual control. And I know you've told us that manual control gives you the best experience, like the, the best quality with our regular cameras. But on the phones, I found that there it's way more important for me because the typically the camera apps that come by default just are so limited that if you actually have a, decent default camera app then your your phone you're lucky to have something like that so i've tried open camera but i'm curious if you have any other suggestions or what do you think about like a third-party solution instead i haven't tried third-party apps for a really long time i don't use my phone camera that much for anything that i'm sharing on a regular basis so i haven't played with the third-party apps recently the basic app that's on my Motorola phone right now does absolutely everything that I needed to. And I'm not typically setting that on manual. 
to take pictures because it's like, hey, I need to grab a picture of this really quick and send it to my husband for this, or is this what you were looking for? That's what I'm typically using my camera for because I've got my big camera, my DSLR, and that's what I'm taking my other pictures with. But I will do some digging into some of the other camera apps out there, and you're going to want to pay attention regardless when you're looking at these third-party apps and see what they are requesting. I know we've exactly. talked about this before, but yeah. there can be some applications out there that they're supposed to only be taking pictures and they're requesting so much more data or access to things. So pay attention when you are checking out third-party apps because there are some great ones that will give you so much more functionality of the camera that you have built into your phone but make sure you are reading and seeing what they are asking for because not every camera app just wants access to take a picture. That is a very good tip. And also, I wanted to, I have another question related to something you covered already, but you talked about lighting and how it's super important. And I have noticed that myself with whether I'm doing uh, photos or videos and making sure the lighting is as good as possible before you even take the photo is super important because... If you have bad lighting, you can kind of fix it in post, but you're if you put garbage in, you're going to get garbage out. So the best part Exactly. Is, yeah, the best way get as much good as lighting as possible, but I have found, and I don't know if this is true for everyone, but I'm curious, should flash or no flash? Is it worth using the auto flash or not? Cuz every time I've really used the flash, it kind of makes it worse. Like it's too bright usually. Yeah, I find that flash makes it worse in general. So that's whether it's on your phone or you're using the top-mounted flash on your main camera. It makes everything way too bright sometimes, so it's washing stuff out. All of the light is across the front of your subject, whether it's food, whether it's a person, whatever it is, it really washes that out and you lose the depth. So you want light to be coming from the side or the back typically of whatever you're taking a picture of, all of these flashes, especially the flash on your camera, is only going to be right in the face of whatever you're taking a picture of. Really, it's not flattering. It's a last resort kind of thing. That's it for the tips right now. I will be back next episode with a few more. So make sure you're checking back in. That's awesome. Thank you so much, Wendy for filling our brains with lots of camera information as always. And that's it. Our 45th episode of Hardware Addicts is a wrap. Thank you for listening to the show that brings you your bi-weekly tech fix. And if you're not all lit up on tech yet, be sure to check out all the great content on the Destination Linux Network. Head to destinationlinux.network and check out all the amazing podcasts out there and YouTube partners available. There's so much to fill your brains with and make sure that you're giving all of those a awesome rating in your favorite podcasting app or subscribing to them on YouTube. That helps support them, get the name out there of all this awesome stuff we're putting out. Remember, there's no such thing as too much hardware. Learn, build, innovate, and grow. We hope you enjoyed this show and we'll see you next time for another fair episode of Hardware Addicts where we do our best to lower e-waste. I mean, it is an MP3, so it's kind of easy. But still, we did good. doing our part. We're the best. Yeah.